Hi, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the Associate Pastor here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I wanna thank you for joining us today online. I want you to go right now before we get started and download our app. You can download it from the Apple App Store or from the Google Play Store by simply searching Word of Life Carlsbad. If you would like to give today, then you can give online by going to our app or our website, or you can also text 84321, and when you search, just search Word of Life Carlsbad. Thank you once again for joining us, and you're going to join our service already in progress. Our team is in Guatemala today, and uh, they are ministering in Guatemala City, and uh, with uh, uh, at Palabra and Acción um, with Pastor Alvaro, and uh, you know I uh, have spoken at, at that church a, a couple of times myself, and uh, just a great church there, and. And uh, it's, it's a joy to be, um, to call them our friends. And uh, let, let's just take just a moment. They're, they're on the si same time schedule that we are here, the same time zone. And so uh, right now their service is going on there. And so let's just take just a moment. Pastor Jason's going to be speaking. And uh, I'm not sure if he started yet or not. Probably not. Uh, but uh, let's just take a moment and just pray for their service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up the, 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 the service time there in Guatemala City today and our team that is there. And Father, we thank you today, Father, for the opportunity to, to, uh, to share with them. And Father, I thank you that today in Guatemala City, the Word of God will be spoken and will go forth with power, and it will fall upon good ground. And Father, I thank you for uh, that it will achieve the desired results, and we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, we thank you for a harvest in Jesus' name, and we give you glory and honor for it right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I have been talking about the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, I, I, love, I love to talk about Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, because he's, he's so misunderstood. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the work that he does in our life has been so minimized you know, and it, it makes me sad when I see uh, Christians a lot of times that don't have a desire to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. And, uh, and sometimes it's because um, they're afraid of Holy Spirit. You see, they know Jesus. Jesus came and he died on a cross for us. Therefore, he must have loved us, which he did. Absolutely. And uh, so, you know, 
they can relate to Jesus because he came and he, he became flesh and dwelt among us and walked on this earth and, and lived among us. And therefore, you know, uh, people can relate to Jesus pretty easily. Um, they misunderstand Father somewhat, uh, but, you know, they do understand that, uh, you know, that, that they need to have a relationship with the Father. But when it comes to Holy Spirit, it's like we know nothing about Him. And actually, He's kind of scary. So, uh, so we'll just kind of, we'll just kind of stay away from, from Holy Spirit. You know, He's the one that, He's the one that makes you do crazy things. And uh, that's really, you know, it's sad, but, but a lot of Christians, that's all they know about Holy Spirit. And, and, and what they, what they, the information they have is misrepresented, is, is misinformation. And, uh, you know, so we, we've been really digging into this, trying to know Holy Spirit in a greater and better way. Praise God. And by doing so, then, you know, you can come to love your relationship with Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. And so, you know, today we've been talking about the relationship with Holy Spirit, but today we're switching over and we're beginning to talk about the work of Holy Spirit. What is His work? What is His primary function? What did He come here to do? Praise God. Praise God. You know, and um, I know that, that many people struggle with the idea of speaking with tongues. And, uh, you know, and, and we certainly, we believe in that. We believe that's important. But that is only a very small part of the work of Holy Spirit and what He does. In fact, up to this point, we haven't even talked about that. We've been talking about Holy Spirit for several weeks now, and we haven't really even talked about that yet. We will. We will. Not today, but we, but we will. And, uh, and, and in all reality, when you understand that, you won't be afraid of that anymore either. You know, the misinformation produces so much fear in people's lives. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a sad thing, but I want you to know this person called Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. And, uh, you know, if, if you've noticed, I start calling him, instead of, instead of referring to him as the Holy Spirit all the time, his name's Holy Spirit. So, you know, I wouldn't call you uh, the Olga. I wouldn't call you the Crystal, you know. And so, um, I don't call him the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, sometimes he is the Holy Spirit. Yes, I understand that. But his, his name, you know, he wants a personal relationship with you. And, you know, he's not going to get mad at you if you call him the Holy Spirit. But the, the thing to understand is if you can make that transition, it will help you in your uh, in how you relate to him, that he is a person, he has a name, praise God. 
And it, it, this is not a legalistic thing or anything like that. It's just an issue of trying to help you to, to rearrange your mentality about who he is and, and, and what his function is and what he's come to do. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 1, it says, We then, as, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, notice what he calls him there, or he refers to him there. He refers to him as your co-worker. As your coworker, you know, when you start to think about that, when you go to work, you have a coworker. You know, uh, many of you do. You have a coworker that works alongside you, that 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 helps you, that that uh, that works with you to do the job you've been hired to do. And uh, Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says right here, he is your coworker. We are laborers together with him. And, you know, let me just help you with something right here. When we're talking about laboring and working, we're not talking about laboring to obtain favor with God. We're talking about laboring because you have favor with God. Praise God. Because you have been favored with God because he has saved you, now he's got a job for you to do. And that job is for you to, Jesus told us this. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That, that's your job. Praise God. And if we don't do the job, who's going to do it? You know, we've got to go and we've got to take this message. But Holy Spirit is your co-worker. He's the one that goes with you and he empowers you to do it. Praise God. He joins, he comes alongside of you. He's called a paraclete in, in the Greek. Paraclete, para, beside. He comes alongside of you to work with you and to help you to do what you need to do. Praise God. And he helps you in various ways. And we'll be talking about the, the power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers you in various ways. But today we're talking about what work does he do. He helps you. He empowers you to do what Jesus has asked you to do. Praise God. And that is to take the gospel into all the world. Praise God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 6. Notice this. The Apostle Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, it's important when we have a co-worker to understand what our individual roles are. You ever worked with somebody and you're both trying to do the same thing, you know, and, and you need one person to go that way and one person to go this way, and you both turn and go the same way, you know, and, and so, um, you know, we have a part, he has a part. Praise God. And notice what he said, I planted so it's your job and my job to plant. 
How do you plant? The sower, Jesus gave us a parable. He said the sower sows the Word. So as a, uh, as a co-laborer with Holy Spirit, our job is to plant. Our job is to sow the Word. Now notice this. He goes, Apollos watered. So not only is it your job to sow, but it is your job to water. How do you water? You water by giving more Word. Praise God. You, you water with the water of the Word. So, so more water. And then he says, God is the one that gives the increase. Now let's understand this. He is not going to plant. If you don't plant, there won't be any planting done. If you don't water, there won't be any watering done. But you can't give the increase. So if he doesn't give the increase, then there won't be any increase even though the planting and the watering's been done. Now, understand, he's not going to shirk his duty. He's going to do what his job is. He is going to give the increase. If you have planted, if you have watered, he's going to give the increase. Praise God. And there's, there's, there's really no question about that. He will always do his job. Question is, will you do your job? Praise God. Will you do your part of it? Praise God. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Notice that. Paul says, I planted, Paulus watered, but he says the ones who did that and the one who gives the increase, they're one. Did you ever think about that? I mean, you, you work as one with Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to their own labor. Now, what's the, what is the reward for sowing the Word of God? What is the reward for watering? What's, what's the reward? Increase. Increase. Praise God. You know, when you, when you sow the Word of God into a person's life and they receive the Word that you have sown and they respond to that by accepting Jesus as their Savior or respond to that by receiving that Word, that's, that's reward. Praise God. God gives the increase. Each one will have his own reward according to his own labor. You know, a farmer's reward is, is the harvest, right? Farmers, you know, he goes out and he labors in the field all day, but when he sits down to dinner, now he is experiencing the reward of his labor. Praise God. He's eating the fruit of his labor. Praise God. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise builder, I have laid the foundation and, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. 
For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Mark the 16th chapter, verse number 20. Jesus has just given the great commission to his disciples and he's getting ready to go back to heaven and he, the, he, he gives them that commission and then he ascends and goes back to, to the Father and sits down at the right hand of the Father and then notice this in verse 20, and they, the disciples, the apostles, they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. Now notice he, he calls preaching working. They, go, they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. You don't work with somebody that ain't working. So apparently he's referring to the preaching of the gospel as their work. So he says they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. Now this is Lord as in Lord Jesus. This is referring to, actually it's referring to Holy Spirit. He worked with them. And then notice here, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Praise God. In other words, when they preached the word, he came along with them, joined with them to make sure that the word was confirmed or that it came to pass just like he said it would be. Praise God. Praise God. Now, notice this. Let's look at the next part of the work of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse number 26, it says, But then... The Helper, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He will testify of me. So the next thing we need to understand that he's going to do as a part of his work is he is going to testify of Jesus. Praise God. He, he's going to help you understand Jesus. Now, we've talked a lot about the grace of God, and we've talked, uh, you know, a lot about um, the, the Scripture says that when we observe as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. All right? So what... When, when the Holy Spirit is testifying of Jesus, He's going to show you Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, who is the glory of the Lord, when you look at Jesus and you observe Jesus and you understand what He has done and you understand who He is, praise God, then it causes you to be transformed into the image of Jesus. But who's the one that's showing you Jesus? Holy Spirit is showing you Jesus. Praise God. He says, when he comes, he will testify of me. Praise God. Praise God. Now, you know, somebody said, I, I used to hear people say, well, well, Holy Spirit won't talk about himself because the Bible says he won't speak of himself. That's not what it means. When he says he won't speak of himself, he's saying he won't speak of his own authority. He's not saying he won't talk about himself. 
If he didn't talk about himself, how would you ever know him? He's the one that talks to you. He's the one that reveals things to you. So, yes, Holy Spirit will talk about Holy Spirit. He'll tell you things about himself, but his primary function is to reveal Jesus to you. Praise God. And he'll show you Jesus, praise God, so you can observe the glory of the Lord and be transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Praise God. Now, John chapter 16, verse number 13. Notice this. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Now, notice there, he is going to guide you, lead you into all truth. And John chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, so Jesus said, I am the truth, and he said, Holy Spirit would lead you into all truth. So, in other words, there again we see he's revealing and making known to you Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Many times, you know, um, no, I don't want to go there this morning. I'm not going to go there. Never mind. <laughs> he will make known to you truth. He will make Jesus clear before your face. Praise God. And then in John chapter 16, verse number 14, get this. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In other words, he will take the things that I have done. He will, Jesus is saying this. He will take the things I have done. He will take the things that, that, that uh, are things that have been provided for you in Christ. He'll take that and he'll reveal that to you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let, let's get into this, this next thing here. This, this is probably going to take us the rest of our time this morning, so we need to move on and get into this. John chapter 16, verse number 8. When he has come, Holy Spirit, when he, Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now notice what he said. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment. Now, for years and years and years, I thought, and this is because of what, what this is what I was taught, that Holy Spirit would convict me of my sin. 
However, I'm going to prove to you from Scripture that that's not what he's doing. Now, notice this. He said, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So there's three things he's going to convict about of sin. He says, see, there it is right there. Hang on a minute. Just, just hold on. All right. He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then the next thing he says, of sin because, now here's a clue right here, who he's talking about. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Hmm. Do you believe in him? Do you believe in Jesus? Anybody in this room, you believe in Jesus. Go ahead and identify yourself. You, you believe in Jesus. Okay. So then, is he talking about you when he says he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe? You said you do believe. So therefore, he's not talking about convicting you of sin. He is convicting those who do not believe in Jesus. Now, remember, before you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, how did you try it, it, did anyone of you ever try before you were saved? Did you ever try to please God? Did you ever try to, to in any way please God before you got saved? Anybody? You ever tried to please God? How did you go about trying to please God? You tried to please to appease God or to please God, appease God. Okay, you, you tried to do that by doing good things. You know, if I treat my neighbors good, you know, if I get along with my wife and my kids, then maybe God will be pleased with me. If I work real hard. You know, and I make a good, honest living, and I don't, and I don't go get drunk, and I don't get thrown in jail. Then maybe God will be pleased. So everything you did in an effort to please God was all based on what you did, what you could do on, on your works. Notice he said that he would convict the world of sin because they do not believe on me or in me. And so when, when we were unbelievers before we believed in Jesus, our efforts to please God was all about what we could do. We had no other avenue through which to try. I mean, we didn't know about Jesus. You know, we didn't know that that's how you please God. 
by believing on Jesus. And so, therefore, if you take believing out of the equation, then the only thing you got left is to try to please God on the basis of what you could do. Doing better. Performing at a higher level. You know, be, being able to, to, to do good things. But how many know one day you found out that you could never do enough? Right? One day you found out that you could never perform at that level. You might do it for a few days. You know, you might do it for a little while. But you could not maintain that level of performance that you felt like you were pleasing to God. I mean, unless you were, unless you were really a self-righteous person. I mean, that, that's called self-righteousness when you think, you know, hey, I am, a, I am an awesome person. I'm a great person. This, this is why people start comparing themselves to someone else. Well, and, and this is why you see Facebook posts that say, at least I'm not fake. You know, you're trying to justify yourself when you post stuff like that. When you say things like, well, at least I'm not fake. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm not fake. Okay. In other words, you can't measure up. The only way you measure up is by accepting Jesus and believing on what Jesus has done. Praise God. So notice this, he will convict the world of sin, of sin because they do not believe. So no matter how good you have been, no matter how well you have performed, it was never good enough. The only thing that, you know, that, that you could do, and this is what the law wanted to bring you to the point that you said, I need help. And Jesus says, okay, I'm here to help you. Praise God. Glad you finally came to that conclusion. Praise God. Because that's what I came for was to help you. Now you've got to believe on me and what I have done. Stop trying in your self-effort to please God and believe in me. And so, when you, before you believed on Jesus... Holy Spirit was convicting you of sin so you would know you needed Jesus. That's why he, was, that's why he convicts you of sin. Or, or, you know, when you were an unbeliever, he convicted you of sin so you would know you needed Jesus. Praise God. Now, he goes on, and, you know, in, uh, he says, because the Believe in, in me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 2, says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. Get this. Why would Holy Spirit convict you of sin when the scripture says that if you have been purified by the blood of Jesus, that you would have no more consciousness of sin. 
In other words, he wants you to have a, he, he, no, he wants you to not have a sin consciousness. He wants you to have no more consciousness of sin. So how could you have no more consciousness of sin if he is constantly convicting you of sin? You know, how could you, you know, you, you've, you did something wrong and you've been trying to put it behind you and forget about it. But then you got me standing here reminding you, remember what you did? Yeah, I, oh, I remember when you did this. I remember when you did that. Remember when you did this? How could you ever put it behind you and forget about it if I'm constantly reminding you of it? All right, if Holy Spirit is constantly convicting you, now what do you call a person that has committed a crime, they've gone before a court of law, and they have been found guilty? What do you call them? A convict. So, they were convicted in a court of law. In other words, that means they have been found guilty. So, if Holy Spirit is convicting you, you've been found guilty. But you see, by the blood of Jesus, you're no longer guilty. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You, you know, a, a convict who has served their time, you know, they're called an ex-convict. So you might be an ex-convict, but you're not a convict because of the blood of Jesus. The old man was a convict. But you have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the old is passed away and all things have become new. And Holy Spirit would be, it would be counteractive to the work of Jesus for him to go around convicting you of your sins. Praise God. Aren't you glad he is not reminding you of your sins? But see, here's what happens. The devil is called the accuser of the brethren. And he loves to disguise himself as God. He wanted to be God. That didn't work out too well for him. But he wants, therefore, to disguise himself as God. He wants to play God. He wants you to think he's God. So he will accuse you in your own mind and you think it's God. Because you've been told Holy Spirit would convict you of sin. Why does the, why does the devil want you to believe that misinformation? Because then you'll think he's God. 
Now, get this. He will convict the world of sin because they do not believe. If you believe in Jesus, he's not talking about you. Now, he is going to convict you, or a better translation of that word convict is convince. He will convince you about something. He will convince you of righteousness. He will convince you of righteousness because I go to the Father. What does that have to do with it, him going to the Father? Well, he went back to the Father because his work here was finished. He had risen from the dead. All of your sins have been paid for. So Holy Spirit is not convicting you of sin anymore because you believe on Jesus. Now he's convincing you that you have become righteous. You have been declared to be righteous. He'll convince you of righteousness if you'll stop buying into that convincing of sin thing. He'll convince you of righteousness even when you have failed. Even when you have made mistakes, even when you know what you did was wrong, he'll convince you you're still righteous. See, the devil, if he can convince you you're not righteous, then righteous means in right standing with God. If he can convince you that you do not have right standing with God, then you won't come to God. But Holy Spirit has come to convince you that you are righteous. This is why the, 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 the Scripture says he has invited us or called us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Called a throne of grace because it is his favor towards you that he has invited you to come into the throne room. And because he's invited you to come into the throne room, he says, there you may obtain mercy. Mercy is a word that only applies to guilty people. You don't need mercy if you haven't done anything wrong. So why, if you hadn't done anything wrong, why would you come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain this thing you don't need? Mercy. And then he says, and you would find grace to help in time of need. Praise God. Praise God. You have been invited to come in. Holy Spirit is the one that convinces you that you have right standing with God. So come on into the presence of the Father. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And notice this. He said, because I go to the Father. He didn't go to the Father until he had completed the work of purging you of your sins. 
He came for this cause. Here's what Scripture says. For this cause was the Son of Man made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. So he did not go back to the Father until he had done what he came to do. What he came to do was to purge you of your sins. What he came to do was to pay for all of your sins. What he came to do was to destroy the works of the devil in your life. And once he had done that, he returned to the Father. Praise God. And he says he would convince you of righteousness because I've gone to the Father. Hallelujah. My work is finished. So Holy Spirit then will come and he will convince you that you are righteous. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hebrews 10 verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Is the Holy Spirit God? So, if God doesn't remember them anymore, how is it that Holy Spirit would convince you of them? Convict you of your sins. How, if God doesn't remember your sins and lawless deeds, and He's God, how could He then be convincing you or convicting you of sins if He doesn't remember them anymore? Uh, think about that. I mean, I'm giving you some stuff here that you can chew on for about a month. And then start all over again. Praise God. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sins. In other words, he's talking about the sacrifices. He says there's no more sacrifices being offered. No more because there's been remission of sins. The blood of Jesus, as we talked about uh, from Hebrews chapter 8, the blood of Jesus that we talked about at communion time was the perfect sacrifice, is the final sacrifice. There never needs to be another sacrifice offered. Praise God. Praise God. Now, where there is remission of these things, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Praise God. There is nothing but purity. Why would he then be trying to convince you of sins? He wants to convince you, a believer, that you are righteous. Praise God. Praise God. Get that. I am righteous. And when somebody tells you you are a sinner saved by grace, say, my old man was a sinner, and I got saved by grace, and now I am the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's who you are. And let him convince you of that. Let him convince you of that. You know, even the Holy Spirit can't convince you of something you refuse to be convinced of. You see, that's why you need to go to the Word and see it in the Word, on the written pages of the Word. There are people that, that attribute things to Holy Spirit that are not Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. He will convince you if you will allow yourself to be convinced. He will convince you that you are righteous. Now, what's this thing about judgment? Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, who is the ruler of this world? Almost right, okay? Okay? He's not talking about Satan here. He's talking about man, the human race. Because why? Because originally, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, you'll find out that man was given dominion over the earth. He was created to be the ruler of this world. Praise God. Now, you see, Adam represented all of us because we all were there in Adam. And therefore, you know, what one man's sin passed down to all men became sinners because of one man's sin. But then there came another representative of the human race. The Bible refers to him as the last Adam. Now, in one place it calls him the second Adam, but second is the last, okay? Because there can never be a third. There will, there will never be a third Adam. There was a first Adam and there was a last Adam. Last is a word that puts an end on the thing, and there can never be another one past the last one. So, there was a last Adam. Jesus was the last Adam. He was the last representative of the human race. He became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Sin passed down to all of Adam's seed. But do you know that Jesus was born of a virgin, so he didn't get Adam's seed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
That's why the virgin birth is so important for us to understand. He didn't get Adam's seed. So, therefore, he stood as a representative of the human race that, had, that did not become a sinner as a result of Adam's fall. But that empowered him to go to the cross and to trade places with you and I. Galatians chapter 3 says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That comes right out of Deuteronomy chapter 21. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The curse could not come upon him because he had not sinned. So, he was nailed to a tree which caused the curse, all of the curse, to come upon him. He became a curse for us. Hallelujah. And the curse was punished on Jesus. He became a curse and the, the sin of the world was punished upon Jesus. And so when he says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged, right there hanging on a tree, that day God judged the sin of the world. Sin has to be judged. All sin was judged. Hallelujah. Sin was judged in its fullness and in its most, its, its highest severity. Sin was judged that day when Jesus was nailed to the cross. And he will convince you, Holy Spirit will convince you that your sin has been judged. Praise God. Jesus became flesh. He became a man and dwelt among us. So therefore, he could be, he could stand or, or hang there in the place of man and be judged in your place, my place. This is why he says, when Holy Spirit has come, he will convince you that judgment has already been poured out on the ruler of this world, meaning on the human race. Praise God. And that is the primary function of Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Now, John 12, verse 31. Now, notice this. Jesus is saying this in John chapter 12. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, right now, Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the ruler of this world cast out. Not one day after Jesus comes back. He said, now. Now. He's talking about himself. 
He's, he's, he's preparing his disciples for, for when he will go to the cross. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And he said, now is the judgment of this world. Not someday the world will be judged. No. He says, now is the judgment of this world. Praise God. And then he says, now the ruler of this world is cast out. He took his place as us on the cross. He took his place as the guilty ruler of this world. Although he had done no sin, he took the guilt of all of our sin upon himself. Therefore, he was judged as though he were guilty. And he says, now is the ruler of this world cast out. Hallelujah. Not one day in the sweet by and by. You see, we've been waiting for a lot of things to happen that have already happened. Now is the judgment of this world. Oh, we've been waiting for, you know, well, someday God's going to judge Satan. You know, someday God's going to judge the, the sins of us all. Someday God's going to judge this. Someday God's going to judge that. Well, you know, there will come a time when those who have rejected Jesus and chosen not to accept Jesus, they'll stand on their own. But that's not you. You all told me you believed. Praise God. So, therefore, he's not talking about you. He said, now you were judged. You were judged 2,000 years ago. You were judged at the cross. Praise God. And now is the ruler, Jesus, hanging there as the ruler of this world. The ruler was judged, and the ruler was cast out. That's why he descended into the lower parts of the earth, the Scripture says. Praise God. And then he says, signifying... How do I know he's talking about his death? How do I know that? Because he said, and if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Hold on to that. I'm going to come back to that verse. He says, this he said signifying by what death he would die. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Did you know the word peoples did not, it was, is not in the original text of the Bible? He says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. Now, remember when I was uh, talking about communion this morning, that, all refer, or that, that it was referring to something that was before mentioned? The same thing applies here. He said, I will draw all to myself. All what? All of the things I'm talking about. You know, just get this in your mind. God is not schizo. God is not scatterbrained. 
God doesn't talk about one thing and then just switch subjects and talk about something else entirely. And then for one verse and then come back to what he was talking about. Just throw in some random statement that don't make any sense. That's not how the Bible's written. It all fits together. And he's not talking about if I be lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw people to myself. He wasn't even talking about that. He says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. All what? He was just talking about, let, let, let's just read it. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out. And if I am lifted up, in fact, he didn't even start a new sentence. He says, and if I be, am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. Now that doesn't make sense. But if we leave out the word peoples, it makes perfectly good sense. He says, now the judgment of this world is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out, and if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself. All judgment. He said, if I'm lifted up from the earth, that's consistent with cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He says, I'm gonna, if I'm lifted up, if I am nailed to a tree, I'm going to draw all the judgment to myself. It's all going to come upon me if I am lifted up from the earth. And this he said, signifying by what death he would die. And the people answered him and said, we have heard from the law that Christ remains forever, how can you say the Son of Man would be lifted up? You know, who is this Son of Man? Well, they didn't understand the significance of Him being the Son of Man. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't get that. Now, the word all, the Greek word pas, and it means all of whatever you are talking about. All of whatever you are talking about. When Jesus hung on the tree, the entirety of the curse came upon him. And the ruler of this world was judged that day. And because he was judged, he will never be judged again. Anyone who is in Christ, anyone who has accepted Jesus' salvation that he has offered, anyone who has accepted that will never be judged for their sin ever again. Praise God. Now that is the best news you've heard today. Praise God. Praise God. Or forever for that matter. That's the good news. That is the gospel. The prince, the ruler of this world has been judged. And Holy Spirit has come to convince unbelievers of sin 
and to convince you that you are righteous and to convince you that the judgment has already taken place. Hallelujah. 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 Are you willing to be convinced? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we do thank you today that the ruler of this world has been judged. And therefore, we have been declared righteous. And you sent, you didn't just tell us this, Lord Jesus, and then go back to heaven and leave us here. To, but you sent the Holy Spirit to be in us and to do that work of convincing in us. If you're here today or you're watching online, either case, if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, Holy Spirit's here right now convincing. Well, thank you once again for joining us today online. We want to connect with you, and we can do so one of three ways. You can email us church at wolcarlsbad.com. You feel bad. He came here to convict you of your sins so that you could receive the sacrifice that has been offered for your sin. Jesus was the sacrifice, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He is the one that took your place and was judged on the cross. And if you will believe that, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. Praise God. And you would, and what are you going to be saved from? You're going to be saved from the judgment because once you accept Him, judgment's already happened. It's already taken place. So you never have to face judgment. You'd be saved from the power of sin to rule and to dominate your life will have no more power over you. Praise God. So I want us to pray a prayer together. We're all going to pray this. And if you're watching online or if you're here in this room and you pray this prayer for the very first time and you mean this, you believe what I've been telling you and you, and you mean it, and according to God's Word, you will be saved. So, right now, I want you to just pray this with me. Say, God in heaven, thank you today for sending your son Jesus, who became one of us, hung on a cross in my place, and absorbed the full judgment of God upon himself. Today, I put my trust in the work of Jesus that it was enough to save me 
and I choose Jesus right now. I believe that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. And I put my trust in Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that, Bible says you are saved. So I want you to, if you're watching online, I want you to send us a message and tell us what you've done. If you're here in this room, tell me before you leave here today. Say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer today. Praise God. Now, for all those who believe, Father has a gift for you. The gift, Jesus called it the promise of the Father. And he's not in the habit of breaking his promises. He, he's never broken a promise. Hallelujah. So if he promised the promise of the Father, it's what we call baptism with the Holy Spirit. And as a gift for you, Jesus said you would receive power after you receive him. Praise God. After you receive that gift, he said you would receive power. Praise God. Maybe you need some power in your life. He said you could receive power. Father promised. Praise God. Praise God. In coming weeks, we're going to be talking more about the work and the, the ministry and, and, and the power of Holy Spirit. Praise God. But one thing that will happen, if you receive this gift, there will come an ability to speak with a language that you have never learned. You say, what's the big deal about that? Why do I need to do that? Well, it empowers you to pray beyond your intellect. It empowers you to speak divine mysteries. It empowers you to worship God more effectively when you don't know what to you know, when, when you when words fail you, he gives you words. Praise God. So, right now, if you want to receive this gift, Jesus said that if you ask for it, there is not a chance that Father would say. You can connect with us via our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com/slash W O L Carlsbad. Or you can click contact us via our app. Who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Everyone. Praise God. There's one qualifying there, and there's that you're a believer in Jesus. Praise God. So let me just say this. What, what do you need to do? Just ask him. Say, Father. Just, just say this with me. Say, Father. Jesus said, you have a gift for me. I'm here to receive my gift. So I receive it now. I receive him, Holy Spirit, now. And I thank you for it. I receive. Now, as that language starts to rise up on the inside of you, it's very simple. You just say what you're hearing from the inside. That's what that's all speaking with tongues is. It is saying what Holy Spirit is saying on the inside of you. 
to just start saying it. Just start speaking it out. Praise God. Praise God. Well, thank you once again for joining us today online. We want to connect with you, and we can do so one of three ways. You can email us church at wolcarlsbad.com. You can connect with us via our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash wolcarlsbad. Or you can click contact us via our app or our website. We would love to hear from you, and we want you to know that God is madly in love with you. Thanks for joining us.